this is Charles with the Barbershop Group. Um, you know, uh, today I have a wonderful, wonderful guest uh, on the show, um, and we're going to talk about some interesting, interesting concepts, uh, both in uh, in uh, corporate America and uh, a little bit about rites of passage and what that means for, for manhood. I'm sure that everybody's got some concerns. If you are a man or if you have uh, sons or grandsons, you probably have some concerns about the trajectory of, uh, of manhood, the direction that um, manhood is going concerning there's some new things coming to light like Me Too or people are talking about toxic masculinity and other things like that. Um, so we, uh, we definitely have, a, have a, a, good, uh, a good show lined up for you guys. You know, um, a few weeks back, a few weeks back, I attended uh, a conference, a small conference on entrepreneurship uh, for African-American men with, uh, with one of my sons who uh, is a Boy Scout. And uh, it was a very, very interesting, interesting um, interesting uh conference with uh several several people on and um you know it was it was held at a prestigious church um in the detroit area and it was it was really an awesome experience my son took a lot from that experience uh but you know uh for you listeners who may know me personally sometimes i can uh share a word or an opinion and probably find myself getting into some trouble well you know, at this particular conference, uh, a lot of the guys, they were definitely established, definitely established, can't knock that at all, doing some great, great stuff, um, you know, in Michigan and some around the country, uh, awesome stuff. Uh, but I, I noticed a trend, and the trend was that a lot of these guys were older, okay? And obviously, there's something to be said about um guys who are older being entrepreneurs you know they've got a lot of uh experience under their belts and, and things like that uh but there's another thing to be said for young people and that's where i probably spoke up and nobody was expecting for me to to say what i said um i know that a lot of times we see entrepreneurs or we see business owners and we think about legacy we think about uh, how this legacy impacts families, uh, what they're able to give back to the community, how their businesses have grown over time. Um, and those things are absolutely necessary. I, I think, uh, you know, um, as the barbershop group develops or, and other things related to the barbershop group develops, I and other members uh, on the board will think about what's the legacy? What are we passing down? Who keeps this going? Those things are relevant. But another thought that came to mind as I was listening to everybody on the panel was this, and I shared that with the panel, was, well, what do we do for these young people who they may be intelligent, intuitive, ingenuitive, but they don't necessarily want to continue along the same path as you or I? Right. If I'm a real estate investor or if I uh, if I own my own taxi company and my son or daughter doesn't want to do this and we made a lot of money doing it, but they don't want to do this, then do I say, well, there goes the business or do I maybe sit down with my son and daughter and talk to them about some things that they're interested in to find out maybe 
how we can continue the legacy, if not just for those businesses, at least the legacy of entrepreneurship and, um, and, 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 and self-reliance. How do we do that? So that was something that I mentioned uh, as I was speaking to the panel. And uh, a few people uh, had some, some positive things to say, but I'm very, very sure that folks in the audience uh, were probably thinking, what in the world is wrong with this kid? But I think that it's very important, guys. You know, uh, there's a there's a there's a passage, there's a passage in the Bible um, um, that says, you know, uh, train up a child in the way that he should go. And in coming from another spiritual tradition, uh, one of Shiite Islam, even you have a reputable person, uh, you know, by the name of Imam Ali Hussein, right? You know, um, he. He said, train your children for where they are going. Don't train them for where you are, train them for where they are going. And uh, you can say a, a lot of different things about both of those, but considering what we are seeing today, you know, I think it's very important for, for fathers and, and for guys who may not be fathers yet to think about ways to make positive impacts on young men. As part of the barbershop group service, we like to do mentoring for adult men and for young adults. And so it's really important to connect to what they experience and to be able to hear what it is that they want to do in life. So I just wanted to uh, preface today's interview by sharing uh, a bit from that conference and my comment from that conference so that everybody understands what we're speaking about today. So you guys heard me say that I have a wonderful guest on the show today uh, by the name of Ron Spears. Ron, hello, are you there? I'm here. Thanks, Charles. Glad to be on. All right. So thank you for joining us today, Ron. Um, you know, Ron is, uh, is a native of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, Ron went to, went to Morehouse, uh, where he earned his, uh, his physics degree. And then went on to the University of Wisconsin-Madison, where he got uh, a master's in engineering. Ron has worked uh, for numerous consulting firms as a change management consultant. He's done this for over 20 years, so he has a lot of corporate American work experience, right? Uh, but Ron is also an avid traveler. And uh, one of the things that, that Ron uh, has been involved in for, for a number of years is a rites of passage program taking young men uh, to uh, to Africa, Gory Island, and other places as part of uh, a way for young men to connect not just to history but to themselves. And we're going to share something uh, really, really neat uh, from Ron about that experience. Ron is also uh, a poet. Ron is also a poet, and I've had the opportunity to hear him. Uh, uh, perform some of his poetry, and uh, you may get a bit of that as well during the interview. So Ron, it's good to have you on, as I said. Uh, thank you for covering some time out of your day today to, uh, to speak to me and to speak to the audience. Nothing. So, you know, Ron, you, you heard me um, talk about, talk about um, the, the, uh, the conference, and, and, and you were a part of that that conference uh, it was a beautiful conference and I hope to experience it again um, but you know one of the things that I'm noticing is a lot of younger men view work 
they view um, entrepreneurship in a different way than maybe we do or our fathers did. Okay. Um, mm -hmm. You know, so, so today, a lot of people, they aren't really fans of corporate America anymore. A lot of people want to do their own thing. Are you seeing that as well? I'm, I'm definitely seeing that. It's, um, it's definitely a trend. And, and even with the folks, like one of the things, like you mentioned physics and engineering, I haven't worked one job in physics or in that field since graduating. I went straight into a different field, and that's a common theme. If you ask people uh, when they get to be our age in our 40s, are you still working in the field in which you got a degree in? The answer is, you know, uh, mostly no. They're doing something entirely different. Um, their vision and their experience on life is is totally different. And like I, I mentioned at the conference, you know, I just came back from my 30-year um, high school reunion and my 25th uh, college reunion. And, and that's a point of reflection on all of those years. And there's been scandals, there's been divorces, there have been health challenges, there have been deaths, there's been um, many, many, you know, job losses, uh, as well as all the celebratory stuff. But the main thing is, you know, life comes at you, man. And, uh, and, and corporate America takes so much out of you. And, and what the young people are seeing is the result of what I just talked about. They're seeing their parents um, just, get, just get mowed down in corporate America uh, and not able to spend time with them or not able to, you know, do things or seeing their parents get, us get laid off and the impact and the stress that it has on us. And the kids are like, the kids see that and they say, man, you know, I'm not gonna, you know, she worked at this job for 30, for, for 20 years, and they just let her go. Mm. I'm, not gonna fall, I'm not gonna fall for that. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know, I'm not gonna give all, all my all to these companies and, and they don't care nothing about you. So, you know, I see, I see that a lot uh, nowadays. And on the other end, it's like what Common used to say, you know, you're spending your time hustling backwards. So, yeah, you got to get your hustle on, but you got to hustle smart. <laughs> you know, right. if, you're trying to, if you're trying to go a different way, you have to, you know, you have to do it in a strategic and smart and intelligent way. And you can't sacrifice quality, um, you know, because if you're trying to do something, you know, that's non-traditional, these younger folks now, these YouTube you know, you make money off YouTube videos, you right. make money off of this, that, and the other. And so while, while, while your parents are out busting their butt going through rush hour traffic, you're sitting there in front of your webcam making money. Right. I mean, you know, we sit here, we're like, you know, my daughter who is uh, 14, she sits and watches this guy play video games on YouTube and, and this guy's making money. And I'm sitting here like, man, right. <laughs> you know, so, so there's a different way of thinking that, that has, we have to acknowledge that. We can't say, yeah, go get your degree and go get a job and work for that job for 30 years and get a pension. There ain't no pensions no more. Get a right. pension and, and retire. You know, yeah. that, um, you know, I'll just pause there, but I see exactly what you mean. I know, I know exactly what you're saying and, and I see that. I still see the value in education. I still see the value in what a uh, corporate, you know, type of job can, can do for you. Uh, you know, you say I'm an avid traveler. You know what? <laughs> Guess how I'm able to do that? 
right. you know, I travel for work. And, and, and which means I'm traveling on other people's money. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> okay. So, you know, so I mean, I, I'm definitely an advocate for uh, science, technology, engineering, and math, just because I said I don't work in physics or engineering doesn't mean I don't advocate for it. I'm definitely yeah. an advocate for corporate America because I, I am witnessing the benefits, the lifestyle I'm able to have and, 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 and the travel and, and what I'm able to do for my own kids. And, uh, but I'm also, knowledgeable of the, the 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 new generation of making money right yeah absolutely so there there are a couple of things that you that you uh, that you you talk about a lot just in that and that, that's really awesome there are a couple of things that i i picked up on um you you talked about life happening okay you talked about life happening you talked about the fact that you you know got your degrees in in, uh, in physics and engineering you haven't used them um, well, I have a, I have this, this, this theory and I, I guess for now I'll call it a theory, but I already feel something inside of me saying, you know what, you better not just call it a theory. Okay. Because it's, it's the voice and this voice, what this voice is really, really saying to me is that even when I hear you speak. I hear you saying something that the voice has, my spirit has repeatedly said to me within the last couple years of my life. And, and that's that if you're not walking in your purpose, if you're not walking in spirit, right, then you're going to attract the wrong things and the wrong things are going to be attracted to you. You're going to waste a lot of your time. So, when you talked about illness and you talk about divorce and you talk about all these life issues, one of the things that I see happening with people around me and beyond me is that once people are getting connected to who they are, once they're getting connected to their spirit and they start walking those paths of what, you know, God has said, hey, guess what? Yeah, you're supposed to worship me, but I gave this to you to do on a molecular level and you're not doing it. Okay. Once they wake up and start doing that, then they go, oh my God, wait a minute. Am I having trouble with this spouse of mine? We're disconnected or wait a minute. Those people who have been in my life for the last 20 years. Who are they really? Or wait a minute. I'm on this job and is paying the bills, but I'm miserable. Okay. Right. Yeah. You know, um, um, I think that, I think a lot of people have had those experiences. And I think, as you pointed out, a lot of younger people saw their parents have those experiences and they've said, you know what? Nope. I'm not doing it. I'm not doing it. The irony the irony of it, and many of my listeners know this, the irony of it is that we had many, many teachers uh, coming from different ways of life who were talking to us about this, but we didn't have the opportunity to internalize it at that time. You know, when I think of, um, when I think of people like um, um, Wayne Dyer, who is originally from Detroit, uh, Michigan, um, you know, or when I think of, um, when I think of, you know, the, the fanfare and the, the crowd that follows him today, T.D. Jakes, you know, T.D. Jakes has always been 
uh, giving this message. Wayne Dyer has always given that, that message. Another author uh, that I really enjoy uh, by the name of Leo Buscaglia, who was speaking on PBS even prior to Wayne Dyer speaking on PBS in the 1970s. They were giving this message of living a life of purpose and connecting to who you are. But it took people a very, very long time to develop the courage, the ability and insight. And sometimes it wasn't even about courage, ability or insight. Sometimes it was, I'm gonna force you out, <laughs> right? And now you have to do something. A lot of times it took those extreme measures for people to wake up and realize there was a different way to live, a different way to make money, a different way to experience life, okay? Um, so it's very, very good that you, that you pointed, pointed those things out. And I have a question for you. Sure. I have a question for you. Uh, you know, you talked about your daughter uh, watching the guy play video games and he's making money uh, doing that. You know, you've got these guys who are watching uh, Twitch or something like that. They just sit and watch these guys play video games. Um, you know, but it's, and, and it's great that YouTube and stuff like there is out there for that. That that's great. But what's a barrier? What's a or what's a drawback? What's a drawback to leaving corporate America because you feel in your spirit that there's something else that you're supposed to do, right? Because I mean, you know, when you're a manager with a company and you're getting that that biweekly salary, you know what's coming in, you know what's going out, um, and you get comfortable there. So what's a drawback to leaving that nest? You just answered your own question. I mean, it's, it, it's clear, it's money. You know, it's the fear of you, know, you have that predictable income that's coming in. You can plan your whole, you know, say your whole life or year around that predictable income. You, your lifestyle is based upon that income. It just it describes the type of house you can live in, whatever, you know, 30% of your income can go towards housing uh, expenses, right. you know, 10% for your, you know, your car and da, 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 everything is based on that. So when that becomes unpredictable, it, it's very difficult for folks to, uh, you know, to, to really, really stomach, you know, and so you have to uh, do that. The other barrier is healthcare. Okay, because a lot of these jobs offer uh, health benefits with them. And, and if you lose that, those health benefits um, and something happens, I mean, the main th reason why people go into bankruptcy is to pay for a medical bill, you wow. know? And so it's like, and, and so what do, what do black men do for the most part? They don't go to the doctor. They, or they, they feel something they know is wrong. And they just say, you know what? I don't have insurance, so let me just ride this out. It'll go away. You know, let me just eat some soup or whatever. And, you know, so, I mean, money and health care are two of the main things. So, you know, if you're married and your wife has a corporate job with uh, medical insurance, then, yeah, it's a lot easier for you to go out on your own because, you know, if you guys are living within your means, you can you can live off of her, and she's okay with this. <laughs> you can live off of her income, and she has the health benefits that that cover you or you and the kids, and uh, and you can sort of go out on your own and and you know 
test this thing out for a year or two or until she says, you know what, bruh, <laughs> it's time to go back to work. Um, but there's a lot of things that, that go in. But the main barrier is money, okay, and insur- health insurance and your spousal support. Those are right. three of the um, three of the main barriers. And if you don't have no spouse, <laughs> then, then you right. got even another barrier. Right. Because how are you going? You know, you're going to live with your mom and dad. You know, which which is something that hey, uh, you know, if you're in your 20s and you spend two years still living with your parents, that's fine. If you if your parents are are, are okay with that, because you're following a dream, you're trying something out. You know, and and that's that's understandable. You know, socially, it might not be as, as, as uh, <laughs> great, but, you know, if at the end of the day, if you end up, you know, getting to a point where you are making a consistent income through your business, then it was worth it. And, you know, you look back and say it was, it was a wise move. So, you know, it, it, it's funny you mentioned that I'm going to, I'm going to add a, a new um, or a segment of the population uh, to this conversation. I went, you know, when I was working, when I was working for one uh, youth facility uh, back in Ohio, I would often have to go do some work. Uh, well, either I was in urban, urban America, right, working in inner city, or um, sometimes they would send me down to Kentucky. Mm-hmm. And uh, in that case, it wasn't urban America, it was very rural America. Uh, you know, in Black America, you have the hood. In White America, you have the holler is what they call it. Just these, these, these small rundown, you know, trailer parks. And um, I, I tell everybody, hey, if you have never experienced this before, you need to get out and see it. Um, it will remind you of some things that you see where you are from. But there's, a, there's something that, that I'm coming to here, and there's a, there's a common thread. Uh, a couple of years back, we heard um, as a run up to the presidential election, we heard a lot of people talk about um, coal mining and coal mining coming back. And that was one of the reasons why you had individuals supporting uh, the current president and some other other individuals. And so far, that's been a flop. Um, those communities are, are, are riddled with drugs. Um, they have high out of wedlock births, they, that's a, those are communities that were very reliant upon corporate America in the coal industry, okay, mm-hmm. um, and have suppressed their own ingenuity. I have been uh, in rural America where I've seen some guys uh, do some things with vehicles and with tools and stuff, man, that there was no way that they could learn that in school, right? but they aren't actualizing life because they're waiting for corporate America to bail them out. You see? And I think that that's a similar case, even in urban America, um, where when you talk about having uh, the, the, the access to healthcare and, and, you know, the, the standard, income and things like that. I think that there are some external, those external barriers keep people from doing something different. And uh, as you heard me say, I, I have come to the realization today that if you are not living in your spirit, if you're not doing that thing that you 
have been put on earth to do that's burning inside of you, I believe that it leads to your misery. So I think that, you know, when it comes to corporate America, even if you're getting a paycheck, even if you are getting the health care, eventually you fire yourself. <laughs> right? Exactly. You know, yeah. eventually you fire yourself because you show up on this job and you're miserable because you know that, okay, this is what I'm getting out of this right now, you know, and the value of it starts to decline. I always tell people, uh, be very careful about adding the value to your, your, your dollar. Yes, it has a, a place in our lives, but if you wake up every day and, and go to work and say, oh, I'm doing it for the money, well, what are you doing it for when the money runs out? You see, yeah. Yeah. Right? what are you doing it for when the money runs out? So um, that's, that's that. But I, I, and I do have a, another question for you. Um, you know, <clears throat> excuse me. You talked about, or, or, or you know, you've got, you've got change management in your background uh, and you're also an entrepreneur, okay? Uh, what are some of the steps? And I know this this could be probably interview another interview for another time. But what are some of <laughs> what are some of the steps? You know, you've got guys who are working in corporate America. They're miserable. What are some of the steps that men can take to start to entertain doing something different? Hmm. <clears throat> one uh, one of the things that I that I do is I have, because, you know, you mentioned that, you know, I'm not using my physics and engineering background. I, 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 I question that. I very much am. It's a way of thinking. Okay. And so, and, and as an engine, as a physicist, you're a thinker. As an engineer, you're a planner. Okay. And very, very meticulous and detailed planning. And so, you know, for me, I, I apply that to life. Okay, and um, the keynote speech that I gave uh, at the conference you mentioned, I talked about the different steps and stages of life, you know, where, where you and I are in that working stage right now, where we're focused on our career, getting married, having children, and maintaining our health. Those are the four basic parts of this working stage that we're in right now. But we got to also plan for the living stage, which is where we want to be. And then at living stage, the three things that we're focusing on are money because we're not working anymore. Lifestyle, what are we doing with our time? Are we spending our time, you know, in our passion, in our purpose? You know, and then the, the third thing is the legacy. What legacy are we leaving behind? And so the decisions that we make today in this working stage impact the quality of life in our living stage. Money, lifestyle, legacy. And so... Uh, Everything has a decision point. Everything, I mean, there's, you know, it's not just, just one thing to say money. You can't just say money. Money is about the, uh, your retirement income. Are you planning for retirement? Do you have some savings? Do you have insurance, health insurance, long-term care? Because brothers go into the hospital, they go into the nursing home for, you know, if you get into an accident or if you, you know, need back surgery or hip replacement, you got to go into a facility. And that's going to be thousands upon thousands of dollars. And don't think it ain't going to happen to you because that's when it's going to happen to you. Uh, right. You got to have emergency savings. You got to have a will. You know, you got to donate money to charity. I mean, you got to put some, some service in. From a lifestyle perspective, you know, whatever it is that you're passionate about, you do some volunteer work, you want to travel, 
you want to, um, you know, do leisure activities, things like that. And your legacy, what achievements, what goals that you have, what purpose and service are you providing? And then what are you, what are you leaving behind for your, your heirs? And so to answer your question, I have a vision. If you, um, just what I said alone probably is going to blow people away, but that is just the tip of the iceberg. Each one of those things that I mentioned has seven different aspects of it that you have to meticulously plan for. And when you have all of, something in place or something, a plan for all of that, then you have confidence that uh, you have vision for the first part, vision for the future and confidence that you're going to get there. And so back to your earlier question about barriers, I mentioned some, but I didn't mention two, two of the main ones, fear, okay, and your lifestyle. If you're busy running around driving Cadillacs and, and expensive cars and wearing expensive clothes, then yeah, you can't afford to step out on your own because you have a, a too much of a, a materialistic lifestyle that you have to support. So you can't leave your corporate job because you, your, your expenses and your lifestyle is too, you know, it's too rich. So yeah. when, you, when you have that vision and you have that strategic plan and that tactical plan in place to, uh, you know, to move towards that uh, purpose, that's when you uh, have confidence to overcome the fear, you know, to step out. Easy to say, <laughs> easy to say yeah. uh, strategically and agree to strategically, the difficult part is in the tactical planning that it takes to address not just one of those, but all of those seven things that I just mentioned, your career, your health, your marriage, your children, money, lifestyle, legacy. You have to have a meticulous plan. Otherwise it's just, a, it's, just it's good to have a vision, but, um, but your confidence is gonna increase when you have a, a tactical plan to achieve that vision. That goes for anything in life, but for, for this subject and, uh, that we're talking about right now, um, that's where that's where the true engineer in me comes out. <laughs> I hear you. I hear you. Yeah, that's that's heavy, man. You know, I uh, whew, guys, I hope you all uh, can uh, can handle that. That was a lot of information. But, uh, you know, what I'm going to do uh, even before we continue is I, I've definitely got to get uh, get you back on here because I want to I want to give you some time to uh, to go in depth. As much and, uh, time as you want, levels. brother. I, I, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur, so I, I run my own schedule. So I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'm here, I'm available, and, and this is part of me living in my purpose. So, so awesome. do not hesitate. That's, that, that's awesome. You know, like I said, uh, at the barbershop group, man, we, we, we know that um, there are a lot of men who they may not, they may not come out directly and talk about um, – depression anxiety or just feeling miserable about life choices about the trajectory that life is is going in life happens you know we all experience things that we're not proud of um sometimes we may not uh we may we may not be living up to the standards of of, of loved ones we may not be living up to the standards of ourselves and that all impacts our um uh, our, our psyche, our, our, our ability to love who we are, to love ourselves. Uh, but we know, we know that these things are real. And um, 
I know that there are members of the barbershop group, board members or, or co-facilitators of the barbershop group who some are in corporate America, but they're also working on other other things. Uh, and then some of them uh, have their own businesses, uh, but they do a lot of work with other men who are in between everything. And just, you can see it, you can sense it emotionally that things are off. And we just welcome everybody in because we know, hey, look, you're not alone <laughs> experiencing this. We all get it. Um, we know what it's like uh, every other Friday to look in the account and realize, yeah, you got paid, but now guess what? You got to send all that right back out, you know? Oh, yeah, um, if you have auto deductions, you know, you pay for your stuff or a lot. Another friend of mine was, um, you know, it's just like when you, you know, your, your, your mortgage automatically comes out of your, you know, bank account automatically, mm-hmm. automagically. Yeah, automatically. <laughs> uh, you can set all of that stuff so that it comes out. So your income coming in, it just, it dwindles before you even see it. Yeah. And so what's left over is like, okay, that's all I got left. But, you know, yeah, you paid all your bills uh, online or, or automatic deductions or whatever they call it. So it's, yeah, it's, 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 a, it's a real struggle. But you yeah. got to do it because if you don't do it, then you're going to spend that money on something else. Spend on something else. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, um, you know, that's some that's some interesting stuff, man. And I, and I think uh, this kind of it's, it's a good segue for us. I, I think that one of the other problems or one of the other hurdles that we have, Ron, is um, especially those of us who grew up with uh, grew up with fathers, but our fathers maybe were not always emotionally present right um if we grew up with fathers who were the 1970s or the 1980s worker that was the kind of worker who just he had a headache he had a broken foot you know he had the flu he went to work he went to work it was like look i don't have time to be at your basketball game i gotta go to work and if i'm off work i'm tired because i was at work and no, we're not going to do that because it's work. Well, what are you thinking about work? Okay. And so a lot of us have tried to live that way, or we kind of have some consternation about what we saw our fathers doing. Uh, because what our fathers are doing, it was one, what they had to do, but two, it was what they had to do because of some of these ideas that we have about manhood. Okay, yeah. about manhood. So now you see where I'm going with this. All right. So what what inspired you to uh, to to develop this rites of passage, man? What 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 went into that? Well, the 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 story behind it, it I didn't go to it. It it found me. Mm. And to uh, before I get into how I got into it, I mean, rites of passage, just so so that people who don't know. I mean, in African culture or society, there's four stages of, of life, uh, you know, where the family and community come together to celebrate uh, four stages of life, the, the birth, rites of passage, marriage, and death. So we as African Americans, you know, we only celebrate three of the four. You know, when we have babies, we, everybody gets together at a church and they have christenings. When we get married, we go to the church and we have weddings, you know, and when we die, we get, come together for funerals but there's nothing in place right now for passage into manhood and womanhood, you know, and, and, and that's the age of, uh, you know, becoming an adult. So if we don't teach the kids how to become adults, the streets are going to teach them. 
And, and so rites of passage is a, is a formal existing, um, you know, process or stage or, you know, that, that goes on to this day in traditional in Africa. And so uh, I didn't know all of this, <laughs> you know, I've read as much as I read about Africa and stuff like this, I didn't know about this. So how I got involved in it was, um, you know, I had uh, finished, I finished uh, college and grad school and I came back home uh, and, you know, then I went and started working in my corporate job. And, um, and, I, and this was 1995 and I went to the Million Man March and uh, with a buddy of mine and you know and and the minister was like do something service go back to your local community and do something <laughs> you know and yeah. so you know i went back to the church that i grew up in and and um and my dad just happened to said you know my dad was like hey why don't you come with me uh i'm going to this uh one of my frat brothers retirement party i'm like okay so i went <laughs> and and this guy was uh was um retiring from Oakland University as an administrator. And, and in his remarks, he said he's going to spend half of his year in Africa and the other half in America. I see. And I was just like, wow, sweet. And he started this program at my church. It's, it, it was a rites of passage program. And uh, we had boys on Saturday mornings come and we would teach them from all morning, basically. And, um, and so that's kind of how I got involved. And because of my background, um, you know, because I was a Morehouse man and I, I had a, a strong passion, they put me in charge of the boys that go to Africa. It was a four-year program. So you come in at 10 years old and we prepare you each year. So when you get to be 13, that's when you get to, to take the trip to Africa. And the church would raise money um, for, for this to happen because this is not, you know, this is not a free trip. <laughs> right, right, uh, it's right. free for the boy. Well, the boys have to pay, you know, like 800 bucks or something is what all they had to come up with. Okay. But they had years to come up with that type of money. Right, right. But it was not an $800 trip. <laughs> the church would okay. raise money. So, so anyway, it was just, a, and in the video, in the beginning of the video, you see me, uh, a younger version of me, <laughs> yeah. Leading, yeah. Two, leading a couple of boys into that ritual. Our boys would join with boys from the village, and we were in the Gambia in West Africa. Our boys would join in with actual teenage boys from the village who are going through the ritual. Wow. So That's you can imagine the type of uh, impact that that would have. And, yeah. and, and, and you mentioned something earlier about Africa. You know, most people, you know, yeah, they would love to have go to Africa. It's on their bucket list, right? But, you know, for, for one reason or, or another, <laughs> you know, the, um, they may not get be able to check that box off, you know, their bucket list. And if they do, there's no, you know, there's no guarantee that they're going to go to the West side. They might go visit Egypt and the, see the pyramids. They go to South Africa and see where Nelson Mandela was in jail, you know? So if they go to West Africa and they go to one of the slave castles in Ghana, Gory Island and Senegal or uh, Sierra Leone, they're going to do that once. I got to go five times, but if I only went once, I would have the, you heard the video. I, I just wanted to come. I couldn't go back to work after that because I just wanted to kill everybody. <laughs> right. Right. You know, but, but because I went five times, I went through different emotions each time. And, and most people aren't going to get that opportunity. And so that's where the gift comes in through my gift in two and a half minutes, I can share with you 
and with anybody for free on YouTube, yes. that type of, they can experience that with me in words and in visuals. So that's yes. just sort of a, a, a blessing, but that's kind of how I got involved in, in Rites of Passage and, and all, everything that I was talking about before we got into this segment is, in, is sort of in a, in a curriculum to expose it to young people and grown people, but yes. to expose them to what life is about so they can think about it and make plans for it. Awesome, that's awesome. And that's, you know, I, I, when I think about that, um, whether, we, whether we are calling it rites of passage programs today or other developmental programs for young people, for, for young teens, uh, young adults, I'm noticing as a lot of this information is coming out about Me Too and them wanting to uh, address some aspects of masculinity that may have been harmful uh, to boys over time and harmful to men over time. There is a lot of writing, um, you know, just in America generally, there's a lot of writing, a lot of thought being put into, wait a minute, what are we missing? Like, how did this person go from boy to monster? If, you, you know, like yeah. what parts? And, and, and you, t you heard me talk about our fathers being present, but sometimes not present. Like, we know that that's got something to do with it, you know, uh, because they got on a wheel and they couldn't get off the wheel. And then you look up and it's boom, boom, boom. It's just, there's a lot that goes into it. But a lot is being said about, well, do we need to have training programs for young men again? Do we need to set aside... Um, some time in a young man's life where he gets the opportunity to learn from healthy men how to transition, right? Uh, can we place him with mentors who can get, provide him with a safe space to develop in a healthy fashion? And so I thought it was just awesome that you were doing something, you've been doing something like that for a while, and now it's being mainstreamed. And that's one of the reasons why I wanted to have you on the show, uh, <clears throat> because uh, masculinity or the definition of masculinity is changing. How men are wanting to live their lives are changing. How they are being uh, uh, asked to show up is changing. How they are being asked to lead or to share power and things are changing, right? And I think that without young men going through a developmental process, then they won't be able to make those changes effectively. In fact, I think that there are older men who are looking at what's going on in America and they're just extremely fearful that, oh my God, the women are gonna kill us all. Or, you know, wait a minute, wait a minute, um, you know, gay marriage is being mainstream. What's happening to me if I'm a heterosexual male and all of this stuff? But when you go through rites of passage, you learn how to integrate yourself and operate when things change, okay? You know how to, because you know who you are at your core, right? Then you're not shaken, you can still navigate through life. And I think that a lot of young people don't possess the ability to navigate through life in healthy ways. Okay. Yeah. 
Um, so that video was really, really awesome. Now, one of the other things that I want to point out, <clears throat> um, and, and you guys will hear me, I'll, I'll preach this forever and a day, that the barbershop is for everybody, every man. One of the things that you guys heard Ron uh, talk about was his initial feeling. So I thank Ron very much for using the word emotion as a man, because there are a lot of us guys who we don't even like the word, we don't even like the fact that the word emotion exists, okay? But I love the fact that he talked about his initial emotion when he, he went to Gory Island and how he worked through those initial emotions to come to a different understanding and a different perspective in life. Um, I think that one of the things that's very, very scary when we talk about the transatlantic experience or just developmental processes is a lot of us are afraid to see somebody go through that experience because we're afraid of what it does to us. You know, I often say as, a, as an addictions counselor, I say, you know, the, the addict needs to get clean, but the family of the addict, they also need to get clean. And people go, wait, what? What do you mean? And it's to say, sometimes the family contributes to the addict's use. Unknowingly, they do so. Um, and they don't want to bear in mind and think about the pain that they have possibly caused in a person's life as well. So when it comes to manhood, development for teens and young adults, racism and interacting uh, in a diverse world, we have to be able to provide each other with enough space to allow growth to take place. Okay, that's one of the things that that we really, really aspire to do with the barbershop group. Um, you know, Ron, one of the things that I wanted to to ask you regarding uh, rites of passage, and we're talking about about manhood. Um, I know you said you went five times. Um, can you can you say whether or not that rites of passage program? Um, made uh, a positive impact on the men, on the young men who, who who went, or was it just a waste of their time? Yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad you asked that. Um, you know the uh, the video shows, like I said, a younger, a much younger version of me. I mean, I I my first trip to Africa uh, was probably in the year 1995. I no 1996, I believe. And um, uh, and so I was literally in my early 20s, fresh out of school in corporate America. You know, I just took a vacation, took a week off <laughs> and, 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 you know, and was right back in corporate America the following week. But gotcha. um, so because it was, you know, 20 plus years ago, the um, I'm and social media. <laughs> I'm able to follow the boys that I took to Africa through social media. Now, the impact that we had on them, and keep in mind, um, you know, we didn't just go to Africa. We met on Saturday mornings for a couple of years <laughs> leading up to the, the age of 13 where they took the trip to Africa. So I've been a part of these boys' lives. They were groomsmen in my wedding, <laughs> okay? Not groomsmen, but uh, ushers, uh, whatever you call them, ushers. Um, but anyway... Uh, and it's a different group of boys each year that that uh, I took. So I took a total of about 20 boys to Africa over a period of like five years. Okay. 
So I'm able to follow them now, most of them on social media, and they are thanking me about, I've written letters of recommendation to get into Morehouse and seeing some of these guys graduating and got corporate jobs and are married now and got kids. Uh, one I just saw a couple of weeks ago, he, he got ordained in the ministry. Um, and, and, and so, you know, and, and one of them is in jail, okay? And, and one of them, I mean, it's just, you, you're able to follow, but the main thing is you're planting seeds. Yes. You're planting seeds and you're giving them a roadmap and people are going to come to that, even though they may be thriving or they may still be struggling, they at least remember. Okay. Yes. So if I don't see the boys, I see their parents in, in you know, like in church or, or bump into them somewhere at the African festival or at the grocery store, I may bump into one of the parents and they say, yeah, Mr. Spears, Mr. Oh, thank you so much. And this is 20 years later. That they're, you know, and so it, it warms my heart. It gives me uh, that validation. But at the time, you know, when you, when you teach somebody, people say, hey, you go make a speech and you're like, yeah, they're going to be turned around the next day. No, it don't work like that. That's right. It doesn't work like that. You're planting a seed and you have to continue to, to water that seed so that it can grow. And you can't just come in and make one speech and then bounce out and think that you really, really, really made a, a true, tangible, sustainable difference. You have to be involved in these kids' lives. Uh, and that's why I want to make sure I let people know. Every Saturday morning, I was there. Yes. I was talking to them like we're talking now. I was teaching them about life. And, and you know, the video that you showed is about the, you know, the slave trade. But, you know... I also talked to them about before the slave trade happened, all the great things that African contributions to civilization, society, and all of that. That's a different video. That's a different lesson. And gotcha. then after that, I talk about life and all the things that I talked about earlier about, you know, career, getting ready for marriage, getting ready, you know, dealing with health, dealing with, uh, you know, preparing for having children. All of those types of things, in addition to all the peer pressure, sex, drugs, violence, education, things that are, you know, plaguing, plaguing kids. So, you know, it's, you got to plant the seeds, but you got to be realistic. You, if you're going to sustain the impact on them, it takes time. And that's where, the, that's where the change management side of me comes, because change management is a discipline of helping people to embrace change, right. you know, and, 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 and you have to understand that change is a process. And you can't just go from awareness to culture change in one setting. It is a stage that, that you have to go through. So my curriculum is designed to walk people through those stages. So I'm using the, the, the um, knowledge that I learned in corporate America. I'm using it to help change culture in these young men. And so yeah. that's, the, uh, that's the key thing. That's why I will never be... I'm always be an advocate for corporate America. You learn so much right. from that experience that you can apply to uh, to you know your passion. Otherwise, like Common said, you'll be hustling backwards. <laughs> right. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Well, guys, you know you all have uh, have had the opportunity to listen to to Ron Spears uh, today on the Barbershop Group podcast. We want to thank him for. Uh, for spending some time with us today. Uh, if you would like to check out more of Ron's poetry, 
uh, I would, I would suggest you, you definitely do it. Okay. You can, um, you can, uh, you've had the opportunity to, uh, to hear Ron Spears, uh, change management consultant, um, based in Detroit, Michigan, talk about, uh, what it was like to, to, uh, to exit, uh, corporate America, just some of the challenges that existed um, to exit in corporate America. And you also had the opportunity to hear a bit of his poetry. If you would like to hear more of his poetry, you can visit his website at www.ronspearspoetry.com. Again, that's www.ronspearspoetry.com. I encourage you to check it out and support um, his works. You can also uh, buy uh, the curriculum for the Rites of Passage. Is that right? You can um, you can take a look at um, at that on the website as well. Is that right, Ron? Yeah, that's correct. On the website, you can see uh, you you can take a look and see what it looks like. You can you know, have access to some of those other videos that I was uh, you know talking about, and then some of my stuff that's more geared towards adults uh, as well. Great, great, great. That's that's awesome. Well, you know, Ron, it was good having you on. I definitely want to get you back on so we can discuss uh, some of those challenges to entrepreneurship uh, and, and, and changing, uh, you know, changing jobs and just going through those transitions because I know it's something that people experience. So I'll have to uh, have to have you schedule to get back on the show. Um, so, uh, you know, we thank you again. And uh, until next time. You guys out there listening, have a, a great Friday and uh, be safe uh, during the weekend. We'll talk to you later.